Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, guys? Welcome back. It is uh, it's part three of our set review here. It's a massive part set, three. lots of lots and lots of cards to talk about. And uh, Alex and I, for the first time in a very long time, are in the room together for three consecutive episodes That's of true. the Magic Podcast. Uh, and a weird Dateline update from last week. I took off my sweater in between, yeah. so it's a little bit different. Changing it up. Places, Changing it up. Made now, it as confusing as possible. Now, this episode's coming out uh, well week. past the time that Endgame has already been out in theaters. Well past Two the weeks. time. This is that, Detective Pikachu week. Yes. Detective Pikachu. I'm hyped, I'm hyped for that movie. I found out today that I'm not going to be here for the, the press screening that uh, I was going to take you to. We'll be gone selling toys. Yeah, but we'll be in Minneapolis hanging out with people. That's true. We'll be playing Magic. That'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Magic, this is a podcast about Magic called The Masters of Modern. And uh, I'm Ben Bateman. I'm Alex Kessler. You guys uh, can find our magic podcast on Twitter at the MMCast. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media. I'm at Kess Wiley. And uh, I think we should probably get straight into the episode. The most important thing that you can do right now, if you're on YouTube, is comment, like, subscribe, and share. If you're on your phone, just drive safely. Wear your seatbelt. Exactly. And if now, you're on your phone, drive safely. <laughs> well, if you're listening to the podcast on your phone right. as a podcast. If you're on your phone, please don't be driving. Yeah, yeah. Or don't, yeah, put the phone down. Pay attention to the road. It and, keeps uh, everyone safe. And More now, people die than drinking from driving. A quick pre-roll of us talking about the places you should subscribe. What's up, guys? Masters of Modern here. I'm Ben Bateman. I'm Alex Kessler. And we've got a couple quick shout-outs for you guys that we wanted to remind you of on this episode. The first one is Twitter. At the MMCast, we've had a Twitter for years. It's a great place to interact with us. We post exclusive images of our brand-new spoiler cards, all kinds of cool stuff. Check it out at the MMCast. It is a great way to support the show. Kess, where can the folks find you personally? I'm at Kess Wiley. You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media. The second thing is we have a YouTube. You may be watching this right now, honestly. You might be listening to it. But one of the big pushes for us in 2019 is to build this YouTube channel. We want to get more eyes, more ears, bigger guests, better episodes, higher production quality. We even hired a producer right now, so you might even see the camera angles changing. Subscribe, like, comment. It's going really well so far, and honestly, if you guys support it, even if you're an audio listener already, it's a huge thing you can do to help us grow this. The third thing, and maybe the most important thing for our long-term health, is patreon.com slash the MMCast. Guys, this year is going to have a ton of cool rewards for you. We really want to make the Patreon feel special, and it's a great way to help us grow. Our ability to hire the producer, to get new gear, to do anything cool in the future is going to be dependent on our ability to actually pay for it. Because right now, Alex and I are just paying out of pocket for the show. You know, We love it, but that's what we're doing. Well, and, and the producer will help us kind of make sure we stay on stuff on Patreon, so it'll be a really thriving community. Yeah. Now, the last thing I want to talk to you guys about is the command zone. Jimmy Wong, Josh Lee Kwai, these guys helped us start this thing. Mm-hmm. Collected.company is where you can find their stuff. They're seriously the most professional magic people in the world. Not named Ben and Alex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they make awesome content every week. Commander Focus, they do game nights, they do uh, the command zone is the, obviously the podcast, the sister podcast of the MMCast. Check them out, Collected.company. It's the same place you can find our episodes every week as well. And the last thing is if you guys want to check out a great community, check out the Facebook group, the Masters of Modern. There's a ton of people in there. It's very very interactive. There are constantly threads about new decks, new conversations. Uh, it's very active. Check it out. That's uh, Facebook, the official Masters of Modern group. And otherwise, let's get back to the show. Yep. Thanks, guys.
Wow, all those things are great. They're great. They're so if good. If you guys do those things, you're wonderful. Man, the best. Uh, so we're going to do the review. I put my phone on the floor over here. Let me go get it. The phone uh, is back. Today, we're talking about Neoform. Oh, what a card to start with. Uh, Blue-green. Sorcery as an additional cost to cast this spell. Sacrifice a creature. Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one plus... <gasps> The sacrifice creature's converted converted mana cost. Put that card onto the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it. Then shuffle your library. Serving so, pod the sorcery. So let's compare it to the obvious card that it is similar to in Eldritch Evolution. Um, Eldritch Evolution. The difference is that it can be, I believe, up to the up to the converted mana cost. Right? It's not exact. No, it is. Uh, it is up to. So that there's the biggest difference is that mm. Neoform allows you to do something for one less mana. Uh, but it also means that you have to do it for exactly the creature, whereas Eldritch Evolution it truly is a tutor. It's like a, I can get the creature that I want at the time that I want it. Yes. the I think the reason this is more powerful... Because it costs two. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. But doesn't exile itself. Yes. It can I, can, I can cast Snapcaster Mage, or I can get an Eternal Witness with this to get it back to then cast it on that card again to get Eternal Witness, to cast this card again, to get a uh, four drop that I need to win. Yeah, it's really powerful. There's no doubt about it. I, there's a few just like you win by having this card. Like I, I don't know the combos off the top of my head, but it involves untapping things and playing spells and copiers. And Now, I was thinking that in Standard, when I read this card, it would be really fun to try to put this into the blue-green Merfolk shell that I had been playing with, which mm-hmm. got me then thinking a little bit about the idea that could you play this as a two-of or a three-of or even a four-of in blue-green Merfolk and Modern because you have a three-drop Lord in a Regiary, so any of your two-drops, your Silver Gull Adepts or anything like that, they can turn into a Lord. Any of your one-drops, like a Curse Catcher, can turn into a Lord, not to mention that then that Lord comes in as one bigger for the next turn. I think, I think there's definitely something to talk towards that. My biggest worry there is I think cards like this just forever gain more value when you're playing with cards that either have value as an ETB or an, uh, or an exit ability. Yeah. Um, and Merfolk is weirdly specifically classically a, a, a tribe that doesn't have that. Like most of their cards are just like the more of these that are in play, the better. Not like every time I not unlike, you know, just classic uh, birthing pod decks. A lot of those creatures are ETB exit or they're one-off tutor targets to hate on 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 abilities so i think you want with this guy um to be more playing things that you gain value off of the sacrifice the real cost of this card not necessarily just like oh i can upgrade my two drop into a three drop and it's a spell which makes it less good in like a creature heavy deck correct it does let you go get copala if you want to play like just a one-off mm-hmm. copala That's turning true. a silver guild add up into a copala against it does give it give Merfolk a little bit more access to a tool toolbox, which I'm a big fan of. That's what I was thinking, and like what I've what I learned in Standard and also in Highlander with Merfolk is that Kumena is a really strong card that you don't always want in every version, but when you get it in the right version, it feels almost unstoppable. Sure. Like the games in Standard that I've played with that card, I draw it, and I'm like, oh wow, okay. Given a couple turns here to stall out against this other deck, there's no way they'll win now because mm-hmm. I've drawn like five cards and now I have this like five power unblockable thing. Yeah. Um, and having one of those in a Merfolk deck, I think, I don't know if it's the right card for the right strategy in Modern, but this card is going to be very powerful and do a lot of big things. And we're going to talk about it in a second, but I also want to bring out like with Neoform and the new green finale, there's now a lot of different pieces out in of like different green tutors in Modern. Yeah, it's actually kind of almost surprising that they, they're really powerful and they pushed two really good tutors into the format. Yep. Uh, next card, Nickel Bullis, Dragon God. Blue, black, 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 red. 
Legendary Planeswalker Bolas. It's a four loyalty Planeswalker. Uh, Nickel Bolas God, uh, Dragon God, has all loyalty abilities of all other Planeswalkers onto the battlefield. Uh, you may plus it to, to have uh, you yourself draw a card, and then each opponent exiles a card from their hand or permanent they control. You may minus three to destroy target creature or Planeswalker, or you may minus eight for each opponent who doesn't control a legendary creature or Planeswalker to lose the game. Um, so one cool thing is this with the Elder Spell. Uh, which we didn't really talk about because it's not very playable modern normally, does win you the game. Why? Because if... Unless as, they have a legendary creature around. But... Yeah, as, as long as you have another cool Planeswalker, win, this, yeah. uh, and they don't have a legendary creature, you win. Because you can kill all their Planeswalkers. So they won't have a Planeswalker in play. And then it gives all the loyalty counters to Nicol Bolas enough to ultimate. Why yeah. does it? Why does he get all the loyalty counters of other planeswalkers? Well, elder spell puts elder spell does. two, right? Doesn't it puts two, two for per. every for every planeswalker you kill. Oh, so, so if you, you like cast Nicol Bolas and then follow it up by elder spell killing two other planeswalkers that minimum, you can have or they have or a combination of both, huh. then you ultimate him and kill everyone because nobody has planeswalkers all, to protect them anymore. He's also yet another planeswalker that comes down with doubling season and wins, right? No, not. Uh, if they don't have a planeswalker or if they don't have a creature, I feel like that's least likely because he's also that's a four color deck now. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of colors. Green is, green is the color that allows you to get to the colors you want, though. So I'd rather play Elder Spell yeah. with my planeswalker tribal Nicol Bolas, super, super friend, planeswalker. Su- uh, well, uh, or, uh, 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 Doom, who's the super friend's Doom? Uh, the Legion of Doom. That's what that deck would be oh, called. Oh, that's the evil. That's yeah, the, the evil. evil yeah, they have like in the swamp, they have the helmet. Yeah, base. yeah, yeah. Am I the only one who watched Super Friends as a oh, kid? Oh, no, I remember the Legion of Doom. <laughs> yeah, I think I think this card is really good. Um, Five mana is not a lot. Like, like every time I think about this card, I'm like, oh, it's like every other one. Those all cost way mo- too much mana to ever cast. But five mana is actually pretty low. And there is like, you can get a Planeswalker like... Um, there's a few walkers that are like the bad Gideon that we talked about a while back. Yeah. He has a plus that if you have it with Nicol Bolas, you can just use his plus to give himself like five plus one loyalty counters. Oh, the or good. Or Dovin Ban. The really good Gideon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The really good Gideon. Our, so like there's a bunch Nars of walkers that, out there you know, that have. Karn Liberated with his plus four. He's just, he's a seven drop to get in play ahead of time. I'm thinking of like less expensive cards. There's got to be With a good loyalty. blue plus two. Right? Ashiok, right? Doesn't Jace, doesn't Jace have a plus two? Doesn't Ashiok have like a sweet plus? <laughs> yeah, both of them. Yeah, both like Jace Ashiok the into this. Both of them have pluses that get, so he'll get up to six and then eight versus. Yeah, baby Jace has a plus two. Yeah, yeah each both draw really good. So like, I, well, yeah, regular Jace's plus two is, is fate still, right? That's It's a plus two, not a plus one. Yeah, this card's real. Don't say it is. This this is a real card. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so like that's kind of the point is there's a lot of walkers out there that can do stuff, and the fact that he can use he can also like plus with Jace's, but then start minusing Liliana's minus, so forcing the sacrifice a creature. There's cool. He's cool. I yeah, like him. I think this is a real card. Um, next up, we have Nissa's Triumph, Green Green Sorcery. This is the Green Triumph. Search your library for up to two basic forest cards if you control a Nissa Planeswalker. Instead, search your library for up to three land cards. And put them into your hand, reveal them, shuffle your library. Oh, this card snaps. is real I, good. I completely misread this card. I thought it got three forests if you controlled Anissa, which I'm like, okay, it's a three for one. I think in Nissa, terms of cool. pure power, this is the most powerful triumph. I think the black one is a is a better edict spell for sure. But like you're talking you're telling me that if I have a Nissa planeswalker, which is a hard condition to me, don't get me wrong. But you're telling me that if I have a Nissa and I play this, I get three of any land out of my deck. And I'm not even just talking modern. I have a question. Yeah. In the history of you playing Magic, yeah. how many times have you had a Nissa in play in front of you? Uh, the blue-green one, like, two times. 
<laughs> Actually, no, that's not true. Bo- both. I'm both. Like, I've played. I played the five mana Nissa in. Uh, in standard uh, yeah. during well, the during cons cons block, I played a bug Nissa deck, whatever. Like it's happened, but I think like in modern, I've played blue green Nissa, the X Nissa, and I've played three mana Nissa as well. Okay, those are both really good in my opinion. And so, actually, I think the five mana Nissa that like makes a land attack is pretty good. No, I think there's yeah that one's good. I think there are good Nissas, and this card is good with them. But I guess one of my point is is of the edicts. Or whatever, or of the the triumphs, this is the least likely to have its character in play. I just all I'm saying is, look, base level. You're telling me for green green, this is draw two. That's what this is, right? No condition met on turn two. You put two cards into your hand, mm-hmm. and we both know there are a million ways to use cards land specifically, like Life in the Loam has shown us. So if this was just green green, put two basic lands in your hand, and that's all it did, you would play it in modern. Uh, if it was put to any basic, if it was to forests and there was no upside, it would be correct to play this in the right deck in modern there's probably better cards like life from the loam is better than this mm-hmm. but like all i'm saying is that when you're talking about power level this has a very high power level its ceiling is extraordinarily high i will say that it does feel like you know wizards has been pushing the life from the loam land strategy recently with this and the new tornado the savage twister my, yeah. my favorite twister Living Twister. Living Twister. Sorry, Savage Twister is not. Living Twister is my favorite Twister. Yeah, I mean, it feels like, you know, you talk a lot about if Modern Horizons makes lands a deck in Modern, like a true true deck, then I think Nyssa, Steward of the Elements, the blue-green one, becomes a lot better since she can zero to put lands off the top into play. And then that's a relevant Nyssa, because if you slam that Nyssa on turn three or turn two off of a birds or something, Mm -hmm. and then are able to... Nissa's triumph the following turn to get three utility get yourself a blast zone and a right now, yeah once you once you get a Nissa in play and being able to get three like in I am now more willing to put Nissa's into decks because this exists especially in like commander um, because 100%. just getting three lands of your choice is an insane thing to be able to do in formats with better lands modern has the new blasting zone or whatever and there are cards but it, it is also a weaker set would it be i mean how cute would it be if there's like a modern land deck and they don't ban a tron piece right out this if you have nissan play goes and gets power plant mine and tower <laughs> <laughs> the biggest problem there is just getting two for it like two green mana and tron sounds hard well, I'm saying not if this is Tron. If this is if lands becomes a thing, you play you one off tower, one off power plant. Okay. <laughs> just yeah. search your library for Tron. Sick. Well, even if like they ban a condition map, yeah. Oh yep, my yep, god, yep. that sounds so awesome. Turn three Nissa, turn three other Nissa, or like either Nissa actually, and then just on turn four, just get Tron. I just I'm so excited. I keep talking. Well, I mean, speaking of Nissa, yeah. Nissa who shakes the world. Three green green legendary planeswalker Nissa. Whenever you. Uh, up, tap a forest for mana, add an additional green, put three plus one plus one counters, there's so much text, it's small, Three put three plus one plus one counters on up to one target non-creature land you control, it becomes uh, a zero zero elemental creature with vigilance and haste that still land you and you untap it. So that's the plus one as you make a land into a three three. Uh, but and plus you untap, like it, the untap ability is not irrelevant, like yeah. you can just tap it for land after that, uh, and then you get an emblem with Lands you control have indestructible, and you may search your library for any number of forest cards, put them onto the battlefield, tapped, then shuffle your library. I think um, this card's pretty good. I mean, if you think about, if we talk about Teferi in the sense of him being a three-mana planeswalker that costs five, this mm-hmm. is the same thing. You turn, think, you turn a land, you untap a land, and now it taps for an additional one. Right? Only forests. Well, you, 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 okay, you untap a forest, and now that forest sure. taps for two. I think... I think her being a five drop is a little wary. I think she's like kind of really powerful in decks, almost like uh, Scape 
not yeah, escape shift decks where she can kind of be turboed out the way they turbo out other cards. And then you, instead of the mountain side of those lands becoming important, the forest side of those lands are important, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, and it gives you something to do if they are able to stop the other things you're trying to do. It's a, it's a diversified permanent type. Um, not to mention the minus eight just like wins you the game with escape shift. If you have it in hand, <laughs> I think this card is pretty dope or Valakut even, right? Yeah. This card, this if you card... have Valakut in play, the minus eight wins you the game in escape shift. Because you just get all of your... You get an emblem with lands you control are indestructible to any number of forest cards for the one that will fill tap and shove your library because, yeah, you you, because you have as many forests. You have 12 forest land, mountains yeah, yeah. in the deck. Maybe this is a scape shift card. Yeah. It's a sweet value card. Yeah, yeah. Um, next, Nidvisit Reborn. White, blue, black, red, green. They call that a Wooberg, kids. Ooh. I learned that last year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Legendary creature, Dra dragon avatar. Uh, flying when Niv Mizzet Reborn enters the battlefield, reveal the top ten cards of your library for each color pair. Choose a card that's exactly those colors from among them. Put the chosen cards into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in random order. It's a six six. It's a five mana six six flying that can draw you up to ten cards. So the magical Christmas land version of it drawing you ten cards is my favorite thing ever. Alex and I immediately started arguing the validity of the uh, of, of whether this would work when this got spoiled. I was like, well, think about it. Think about all the hybrid cards that you could that you could possibly draw. Well, I mean, I think you'd. <laughs> play with split cards like the split gold cards from or like especially from original ravnica block because they oh. had the like the two different guild split cards that they were going on you'd play so you could you'd play, play like, like rise fall and turn burn and you'd play manamorphose and you'd play like all the things sick oh yeah the yeah, those split cards but the ones that are technically three color you can't get oh like right. hide and seek is technically a mardu colored oh, card oh right because they changed the way that that's a weird thing you didn't think about when they made that rules change that now is relevant. Uh, uh yeah, yeah, that makes. But, but the worse. new ones you can get. What's nice about the hybrid ones is that you can play. You can kind of play a a, a bug deck and get m almost all of the guilds in that color combination because you can play with the hybrid ones and just only be playing like the hybrid spells for that. The hardest one you'd have is the Boros Charm one. Um, but playing the Mizzet and drawing nine cards is pretty good. <laughs> well, what I think is interesting about this card is it has a story that will probably never happen on, in the rules text of the card. But everyone is there's lots of people out there who is going to dream about drawing all ten. Like the time when magically, I th first there was Golgari Charm, and then there was Turnburn, and I just <laughs> and Lightning Helix, and I was like, oh my god. Yeah. It's yeah. a it's a sweet it's a sweet card. It's got awesome artwork and will look amazing in foil. And I don't think we'll ever see modern play, but it's a very fun card. Yeah. Story wise, it's cool. He's the living guild pack now. Chase isn't. Oh, is that a fish? Uh, War of the Spark spoilers, I guess, on him being that. But yeah, so the portal gets opened up on Jace's sanctum, which is in the card art, and then that cancels Jace's guild pack status, and then Niv Mizzet. Uh, gets resurrected as the guild pack. They get all 10 guilds to like work together and he put his brain in a little statue that you can tap for two mana of any two color combination. All right, let's move on. It's in the set. <laughs> Firemind Vessel is his brain in a jar. What's his soul? Next up, we have Oath of Kaya. Black, white, one legendary enchantment. When Oath of Kaya enters the battlefield, it deals three damage to any target and you gain three life. Whenever an opponent attacks a planeswalker, you control... Uh, and a, uh, with one, sorry, I'm cross-eyed. Whenever a opponent attacks a planeswalker you control with one or more creatures, Oath of Kaya deals two damage to that player and you gain two life. Um, I don't think this card's very good. I think the three mana is like, well, because it's one mana above Lightning Helix to get a card that protects your walkers in a black-white, yep. which is a walker thematically 
Like there are good black white Walker decks because of all the token ones. It makes it really hard to attack walkers. When I've had this in play against me at the pre-release, it was really hard to beat. And the fact that you can blink it is really powerful. I wish it cost one less mana, but then it would be lightning helix, and that's too good. <laughs> it being blinkable is really cool. And the one place where I think I think of this being really awesome is in a four-color deck with Sahili and Feldar Guardian, where you can play this on turn three. And on turn four, just slam your one four that just helixes again. Um, that's pretty cool to me, actually. I think that that's like a that's like a kind was, of interesting. I was thinking more like an Esper with Venser. Yeah, I mean five mana for a similar effect, but then you're not in four colors and you're redoing it every turn. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. Like Venser can just bounce this, and then for, to attack Venser, a he has a plus two. Speaking of plus twos for Nicol Bolas, <laughs> that then is harder to get into, and then but it's also like. Esper is a color combination. Yeah. You could be playing Lingering Souls or other good things. What's hard um, about this is that imagining any of those decks against, like, is it Phoenix or Tron? They all seem bad. Well, this isn't bad against Is it Phoenix. You kill a Phoenix and you gain three life. Like, that's a. I'd play. Lightning Helix is a good card against Is it Phoenix. And it's also nice that um, if you have, like, you know, relevant planeswalkers that a Phoenix will want to take out, like Jace or Teferi or even Vincer in this it situation, makes it much worse. You, you have to pull yourself four life. A four-point life swing out of the yeah. win, which is it. Phoenix is just trying to race you down. So yeah, I, I I like this card actually a little bit more than than interesting. Um, okay, next up, a card that you were tweeting about, and I you should just start because this is just you know. Uh, I went on a lot of rants, and we're past that now because this card is not good. But Barhelion two six white white. Uh, that's why it's not good. Everything else about it is really good. It's the six white white, and it's converted <laughs> mana cost that makes it bad. Uh, legendary artifact vehicle, flying, first strike, vigilance. It's a five five. It has a crew of four. Whenever Parhelion two attacks, create two four four white angel creature tokens with flying and vigilance that are attacking. Um, and we're and we're talking about this because Karn the Great Creator can animate it, right? That is a thing that can happen. <laughs> uh, cheating it into... I want to cheat it into play. I want to kill someone with it somehow. It's not good. But it's... This card is awesome. It's the Death Star of magic. <laughs> How do we feel about vehicles at this point? Like, other other than, of course, the really, really, really good ones. Like, Smuggler's Copter is amazing. It's, and like It's fascinating because Smuggler's Copter hasn't seen play in Modern really ever. Like, it's fascinating that they haven't been able to print a, like, a vehicle card that's good in Modern. But even equipment's pretty bad in modern. Like, when was the last time an equipment was good other than skull, uh, not skull clamp? Yeah, yeah. Other than um, um, uh, uh, cranial plating. Cranial plating. Um, it's well, which I mean, is a good it's, one. Yeah. It's well, difficult. to be fair. Modern does have multiple banned equipments in it, so the problem is they can't seem to find an equipment to, that they don't push over the edge. Well, into but, too like, good. And, and, yeah, and yeah. I mean, as, as a general rule, um, high-powered formats don't want you to have to generate value off of a two-card interaction for value. Like, if you had two-card interaction to win the game is one thing, mm -hmm. but having two things interact to gain value traditionally is bad because there's so much interaction. Which, which makes vehicles better because the 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 cost of a vehicle is actually much less than a equipment, equipment because yeah. you don't have to spend mana. Like, you can just play a creature and tap it to make this vehicle go. So if the vehicle's in play, it's great. Um, it's just there's better way things to cheat in. It's cool because it's legendary. There's, like, there are ways to cheat this into play. It's just if you had to choose this or Grizzlebrand. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm picking Grizzlebrand every time. I made so many cool ways. I figured out a bunch of ways to get into play. It's dope, but it's just I, not a thing. I guess we're also being remiss about the fact that lots of equipment see play in one deck, Cheerios. That they're not a yeah, but there are they equipment or zero mana artifacts. <laughs> it's important that they're equipment or else pure steel paladin and SRAM wouldn't work. You're not wrong, <laughs> but that deck is also not top eight in a magic tournament or GP. 
Um, this next card on the list, Pollen Bright Druid, I think is pretty interesting, actually. So this is a, this is a weird common that I kind of like a lot. Um, it's one green, one elf druid for a 1-1. One, one. When it enters the battlefield, choose one. Put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature or proliferate. Now, what I like about this card and what's really interesting is that, A, it's an elf. B, mm-hmm. it's a blinkable proliferate engine. That's, for- that's the thing that's interesting to me on the proliferate engine train is, is like, not only do you get it for elf counters, but, like... A yes on the wandering bard. This ticks it up from like he can he can tap sacrificing a one drop, get a two drop, or putting a two drop into play off of one counter, get it to three. So the next turn you can go to a four drop. So he like helps you skip up the the chain to getting really powerful things. There's like a really interesting um, plus one plus one counter redundancy that's happened in the last two years in Magic, mm-hmm. where they've really leaned into it hard, and I noticed it. I noticed it not in modern, but I actually noticed it trying to put together a hundred card deck where mm-hmm. I was like across all formats, right? Across like looking at like a track set, looking at cards that are like interesting that come from commander and then being like, wow, there is so many of these effects now. You can really go turbo in the early turns of a game and you look at hardened scales. You look at like cards like this it really starts to make you notice every time they print a card like this now that's like a low casting cost, interacts with counters and has proliferate on the card. There's so many possibilities. Like this card... Like, can be, I don't think it is good enough, but, like, is not out of the question to put an infect. Like, if I right. saw someone playing this as a one-of, just to, like, be able to get across. Or even now, like, elves decks can play this in a way to, like, uh, what's the, you return a thing, same type as when you play it, the artifact? Cloudstone Curio. Cloudstone Curio with this, and just, like, if you can get one infect damage, and, and like, you can play the artifact destruction infect creature, just, like, in this, and, like, you can actually just, like, win through proliferate if you can't get through. Like, there, it's a weirdly versatile card with exactly the right creature types. Uh, Rao Storm Conduit. Two blue-red legendary planeswalker Rao. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery co- spell, Rao Storm Conduit deals one damage to target opponent or planeswalker. Plus two, scry one. Minus two, whenever you cast... Uh, your next instant or sorcery spell this turn. Copy that spell. You may choose new targets for that copy for loyalty. I think this card is going under the radar. It kills people real quick. Uh, the, pl- the Just the static ability like lets you just get value, obviously, off of spells and yep. do damage to an opponent. You're a person who likes yourself a gutter snipe. This yeah. does that effect. Um, the thing with its plus is more just it lets you buy more minuses because it's equal to the minus cost. Like every plus you do lets you get another minus out of it, which the minus is very powerful. We'll get that in a second. Plus just scrying every turn is not the worst. And then the last piece of that is copying spells is very powerful. It just has never really been on a planeswalker that was that good. Otherwise the other two parts of this ability are strong enough that I think being able to copy spells is really good. Not even getting the fact that having two expansion explosions in your hand and this wins you the game automatically or any two copy a spell when you cast it wins you the game automatically. So you have like an infinite win condition attached to it, attached to cards that are already good. And like I saw people doming people for 15. I think the most I saw was because they had two rows. They did 18 damage to a player with two rows and the the five, the five damage Sarkon. Well, like just a single lightning bolt is eight damage to the face. Right. With with Ral, you minus two, you do eight damage to their face. And yeah. in a format where everyone starts at fifteen to seventeen life, like that's half their life. Yeah. For I, one spell for two, you know, two spells. 
I know I'm not the only one that has tried to make format of Chandra work for exactly mm-hmm. the reason that this is good. I'm also not the only one that has tried to make Narset work for exactly the mm-hmm. same reason. Mm-hmm. So the fact that this is now a card that really does reward you for playing the spells that you intrinsically want to copy and also pluses in the same way that Narset does to give you some amount of value setting up that big turn, I think this card is really good. Yep. I think what's especially interesting about the printing of these Planeswalkers in this set is that we're so conditioned now to look at a Planeswalker at Mythic Rare, that the ones that are rares almost are like, well, these are intentionally not quite as good, even though this one and Teferi are well, really yeah. good. And we and we talked about it, I think, before, but I'll reiterate here for people that maybe missed those episodes. Um, Wizard, the Planeswalkers with static abilities, for all intents and purposes, are a new permanent type. and like They're like vehicles were. They're like what equipment was. They're like Planeswalkers. And almost... Every single time Wizards has come out with a new permanent type, in a large volume especially, it's been, there's been problems. Like there, And by problems, I mean like there are cards that are more powerful. And I think the static ability on Planeswalkers are being overlooked a lot of the time. And I think less so now that we've had a few weeks with them and actually played with them. But all of these abilities are way more powerful than kind of I think where people are really looking for. Partially because I think it's hard for Wizards to balance brand new cards without all of the world getting to play with them once. You know, the, with Planeswalkers, in the first... 20 Planeswalkers, Jace the Mind Sculptor was printed, as was Liliana the Veil. With the first equipment, you got Jite, you got Skull Clamp, you got, like, like look at the equipment from the the, the original swords of X and X. Uh, with um, vehicles, you got Thopter. I also think it's kind of relevant that in, like, modern, it's, like, Ral can come down and fork a surgical attraction like on on, on the rate, turn it comes into on play. the turn it comes into play. So if your opponent has been like turbo dredging or just setting up their insane phoenix turn for next turn, and you can like get double surgical, like that can just get them. And we're not like well, these are easy things. Like you can untap and play Colgan's command off of this card, <laughs> or the aforementioned electrolyze. Yeah, like that's like, a lot of value. Four damage split among four targets. Draw two cards, and like you were out two extra damage to that. Anyone? Yeah, <laughs> really good. Specula- I mean, you, you guys can do that been, unlimited. <laughs> yeah, and you guys have been speculating about the chance that maybe Fire Ice shows up in Modern Horizons and forking either fire or ice both sound right. real well, exciting and, and imagine like you'd mentioned lightning bolt on like say on turn four you play row tick up turn uh five you minus and then you play another row then you minus again and you play lightning bolt that's how much damage 12 that's 12 damage 11 damage no it's more 11 you get three for no, each you, copy of the spell oh oh that's right you get 12 you get double copies yeah. plus one yeah, two you get 12. three so three plus three plus three plus three. No, so no, no, 12, no, no, no. 12. You're only playing one actually. You're only actually playing one lightning bolt, and it's copying twice. So it's Correct. nine plus you get the trigger off of trigger off of casting and off of two copies. Yeah, so it's ten. It's ten damage. Twelve. It's twelve. Really? Yes. It's not. It's three, three, three from the three lightning bolts. Yeah, three and lightning it's bolts. One, one, and one from each lightning bolt. Correct. Oh, because it triggers when you copy a spell as yeah. well. Yes. Sick. Cool thing. Limited. Well, that's, there's that's the, the reason why the deck. The so for people who who don't realize like. Ral, because he says whenever you copy a spell, do one damage to an opponent, if you have a spell that says copy target spell, and that is targeting a spell that says copy target spell, then they can keep targeting each other ad infinitum. So expansion explosion, because expansion copies, it's four or greater, right? But because of the four rules, less. it's so, four. So if you, have, if you have expansion, copy another expansion, or expansion, copy a twin cast, mm-hmm. or... Uh, any other copy or spell. reverberate or any of the other ones 
uh, then they will just keep seeing each other and can keep copying each other forever. So you're saying that with a round play and two expansions, you win in standard. Correct. Same in modern. I mean, that's a standard. That's a standard deck that already streamers are are yeah, pushing. Yeah. And there was like uh, I was watching a streamer the other day that has a uh, a Ral, uh storm conduit build that they're like i've gone undefeated so far with it like their their record was something like 16 wins in a row i think that's a i think that's a combo that's playable in modern i think expansion explosion is already was already close to modern playable it does a lot of things and like and add that to the fact that it is now a win condition with a card that we've just like in a grixis control deck just playing four expansion explosions three rouse eric and then other good grixis control cards and call against command and snapcaster mage like you're already there it's like people were talking about like the real advantage of Ral is he's not asking you to play cards that are bad. Right. Uh, the way that um, the old uh, Splinter Twin, like Deceiver Exarch and Pestermite don't really do anything. They're like themselves. medium attacking. One of them is a mediocre attacking creature. Right. But Lightning Bolt is great and Opt is great. Mm-hmm. And all these other cards that you want to be playing in blue red spells that you also don't mind forking later are great. Well, this and is the conversation sh- with Phoenix was the fact that uh, Phoenix was a card that, you know, people are like, oh, but you need three and Vengevine's medium and you need two, cre-. like Phoenix just wants you to play with the best cards ever printed than being one mana instants and sorceries. <laughs> and Chandra required you to play bad cards because the, on- the only way to get value off of four mana Chandra with a copy ability was to play really expensive spells that would give you like a, like five mana sorcery that you would want to get twice. Like- and notably that Chandra's, her plus, her minus was minus two, but her plus was plus one. So yeah. like you were saying, the nice thing about Ral is you, just go you, back can, and forth. you can copy a spell every other turn if the game is taking time. And I will scry one happily all happily where I will, I will scry one with every instant sorcery I'm doing doing damage versus doing one damage to any target any day of the week. <laughs> uh, Rolesque? Rolesque? Yeah, Rolesque. Apex Hybrid. Two green, green, blue, legendary creature and human mutant. Flying trample when Rolesque. Apex Hybrid enters the battlefield. Put two... Plus one, plus one counters on another target creature you control. When it dies, proliferate, then proliferate again. Four, five. Things that say proliferate, then proliferate again are the best. In fact, this is the only second card ever that says that, I think, right? Yeah. I think the only other one is Contagion Engine, which I believe is a Commander All-Star. I think that's the only reason that my dumb rares have been worth money of that card. Right? Uh, it, <laughs> I've seen people try making it work in modern. It's not it has never worked, but it's like a thing. Like it's I've seen powerful, it obviously. Out of, out of it's like insanely decks. powerful. Yeah. Um, it, this card, it does pump thing when I underplay. It is a big dude. It is a five mana card, and you have to die. I think though, in stuff like the the pod decks that we've talked about, that's a conversation. The fact that this this can be potted away with what's her face, get value, and is something she can pot into as a one of. If there's a reason you want to be adding counters or proliferating in that deck, it makes sense. I mean, because like, you could proliferate her, right? Potting into she uses counters. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. no, she just pods away a thing. Yeah. So, so potting into this card or vanifying into or whatever we call it, right? It comes in, puts counters on something, then pods away, and then you double proliferate those counters, which means that it. Entering and leaving the battlefield, this thing is going to provide four additional power on the battlefield as part of a chain. That's pretty good. I mean, that's not like modern playable necessarily, but like just at the base level of this is part of your chain that you're getting four power and it proliferates other things twice. So do you chain into this or Kiki Jiki? Uh, probably Kiki to just win. Yeah, I, I think this is fine. Uh, I think if there is a blue green control value deck, I don't even know if you play this over... Uh, the new X spell, the XX. Yeah, Hydroid Crisis. Hydroid Crisis. Well, you, okay. But you can't pot into a Crisis, this thing. 
True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just don't know if like Pod has better five drops, I think, available to it than this. Probably, yeah. Um, Saheeli Sublime Artificer, one blue, red, blue, red. Those are two hybrids, so three mana. Uh, Legendary Planeswalker Saheeli comes in with five loyalty. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, create a 1-1 color servo artifact creature token, and then you might minus two to have target artifact become a copy of another target artifact or creature you control until end of turn, except if it's it's an artifact in addition to its other types. So This is like uncommon fixed from being broken, Sahili. That's like more valuable in a lot of ways. <laughs> By fixed, you mean be broken, mean actually good... Like the fig, the Sahili that we currently have, which is one of my favorite cards of all yeah. time, is a card that is only so interesting because it's part of an infinite combo. Sure. And like is really weird in the way that it can target an artifact or a creature. Whereas this is like kind of what Sahili probably should have been. Sure. And maybe if Mythic Sahili had had this plus another ability, it would have worked. Like an ultimate. Yeah. Well, like it triggering when you cast an artifact, that makes sense. That's like what Sahili should be about. Sure. And it being able to like artifact cropping another artifact as opposed to a creature once again is what Sahili is really about mm -hmm. so I love that this is hybrid though I think that's really cool I, I mean I think, that, I think the thing that's exciting for me is that this is a mono blue um, young yeah. pyromancer yeah straight up it's just that like triggers off of like not just the instance and sorcery so it's like even more value I think there's a lot of I think this card has potential to be pretty good plus you just get randomly you get to like make one of your servo tokens you made into a tarmogoy for whatever other color cards you're playing with like, I think it's good. Yeah. I mean, uh, wait, go back for a second. <laughs> uh, target artifact you control becomes a copy of another target artifact or creature you control. Does that not mean that you can make a, like, bobble type of effect into a mere superior you have on the battlefield? Because you can turn an artifact into another creature you control? You can do and that. you're ramping it out. That is a thing you can do. Sick. <laughs> and your Aether Vials will get you one ones. <laughs> what about Young Pyromancer? And then yeah. when you cast your Instance or Sorcery spell, you get two one one counters instead of creatures. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, Ben, as someone who uh, recently played a lot of Is It Phoenix, what yeah. do you think about Sahili slotting into something like Phoenix? Since now suddenly, much in the same way as, as Young Pyro, I mean, it costs one more and can't attack on her own, but she also is harder to kill than Young Pyro and... I, significantly worse. Um, I, know, I know people have already started doing it in standard. Like, that's it's already happened. And what's cool is you can make the servos into Phoenixes. But I agree with Ben that I'd rather play Young Pyromancer. In modern, the difference between a two drop and a three drop on a curve in a deck like that is so significant that, like, e even though it's cool that it's hard to kill at five, it's just it's the difference of your entire game plan. Like, you'll slump so much harder having this in your opening hand than Young Pyro because in both cases, like, if they have a removal spell, they'll probably be able to get rid of Sahili, like pretty quickly like it's going to be like a bolt and an attack maybe whereas like pyro if they just bolt it fine but you've probably gotten value already anyway the fact that it costs three means you probably won't get value the turn you play it singly ice permanent or creature creature the fact that she doesn't get bounced by thinking ice when it flips is a pretty big game that's interesting yeah like the fact that you can play thinking the ice into her and then have a four mana like because turn four is a often a lot of the time when the you want to like restart doing the big turn like and she lets you survive through some things and lets you have a good thing in play. Plus, can you copy her servo token? Like, if, can you flip a thing in the ice, yep. then play any incident or sorcery, and then you can use her minus to then copy the thing in ice, attack with two seven sixes? You like, get your last... You get your last... Um you get your last token as well if you stack the triggers correctly. You can you can trigger it so that the yeah. thing in the ice ability resolves first, and then the servo resolves, and you get right. your one one after the flip. So no, I think that, I think that servo won't be able to attack because sure. it won't have haste. But if it if you make it into an Is it Phoenix, it can yeah attack. It can attack. Well, like, the then the Is it Phoenix won't be in play until your attacks. But yeah, 
Yes, you can't activate it during your attack step because the Phoenix triggers on it. The Phoenix step. will have been bounced by the thing in the ice if it's in play. And if it's not in play, it won't enter until oh, your I attack step. Oh, I guess that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, so you get a summoning 6-7-6. Six, six. But, yeah, but, but you can turn that servo the next turn into a second thing in the ice. Well, I think you can do it that turn. But it doesn't even. have haste, right? So? Yeah, it's yeah, fair. <laughs> Sick. All right. I mean, yeah, uh, Sahili's, Sahili's pretty cool. Um, next up, we have... Sarkon, the Masterless. Three red, red, legendary creature, Planeswalker. Uh, Sarkin, he, or legendary Planeswalker, Sarkin. Whenever a creature attacks you or a Planeswalker you control, each dragon you control deals one damage to that creature. Until... Excuse me. Until end of turn, each planeswalker you control becomes a four-four red dragon creature and gains flying. Uh, for as a plus one, as a minus three, create a four-four red dragon creature token with flying. He's a five-five. Um, two things. Uh, one, uh, I think it's really interesting because I think moving forward, the Gideon design space. Now that spoilers for War of the Spark, Gideon has died. Sarkon is our main creature planeswalker, and we'll be getting those abilities, um, which is a cool fact that they move it from white to red. They're still very combat-oriented. The other thing that's really cool is basically 1-1 one, one tokens or worse can't attack you with this card on play. This kind of has a similar effect the original Gideon did, where by playing him, like large armies of 1-1 one, one creatures or like infinite X-1s can't kill you. You're, you're proof that. So Lingering Souls is bad against this card, right? I'm reading this card correctly? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or as long as you come down and make a dragon. Well, no, he, he, he himself does it, too. It's If I have a dragon, X2s can't. Like, whenever a creature no, attacks you or each, a planeswalker you control... it says each dragon you control. He's not oh, a oh, dragon. Oh, each dragon you control. Okay, so so if you play him and then minus and get the 4-4 dragon, you have a blocker to block something big, and then all their little army dudes die. Right, so he, their signal pest dies, and they're... Uh, yeah, they're lingering soul, yeah. He's a cool card, for sure. Um, he's probably not modern playable, though, then again, we've actually seen... In these red prison decks, the four and five drop slot are actually real slots. Like stuff like Stormbreath Dragon, Thunderbolt Hellkite, Koth. Like people experiment with those cards in those types of decks. That I don't think this is the right one. But the I, fact that it's a I, five mana four four flyer, I disagree though. Because like in for in in, in a in a uh, uh, spread deck, you yeah. play Koth. You on your next turn, you play Sarkon. You plus Koth to make a four four land, and then you attack for. 12 damage or 15 or 14 damage 12 damage between the three of them because mm. he turns cough into another 4-4 flyer he's a 4-4 flyer the fact that he turns all your planeswalkers into that even in a blue red control deck like having one of these in your deck as your final finisher where you have jace you have uh and you have teferi and being able to just like play this late game and swing in with your jace teferi and him all together that's like a big end game and he's not irrelevant by himself like i think he's better than you're giving him credit for even at five mana Original Gideon saw play at five mana and did a lot of very similar things to this card. Maybe worse. Like having a getting a four four dragon out of Gideon is, I think, better than killing a tapped creature sometimes, especially in modern. Yeah, I think a Sarkon by himself is being kind of reminding me of Broodmate Dragon. Since yeah, he comes sure, down, he makes sure. one dragon, and then every turn after that, he will be a dragon for the purposes of attacking. Um, yeah. So it puts two four fours on the battlefield. And does damage all creatures that will attack you to try and get to him. He protects himself better than maybe any planeswalker ever printed. He's, that's the thing about it is that like when you just look, and I know we'll, we'll probably we'll end up talking about her a little bit more, but the Sarah Angel uh, planeswalker that they premiered from Modern Horizons, Sarah the um, Benevolence, is really sweet. Obviously, mm-hmm. and that's a four mana Sarah Angel, right? Like it's four mana Sarah that like leaves your planeswalker behind. We all talked about like that's the rate, but. This card, when you always talk about what are you getting out of a Planeswalker on face value, what is the slightly worse rated version of the card you're getting for the minus? 
A 4-4 Flying Dragon for 5 that leaves you with a Planeswalker that's that powerful behind is pretty stellar. Like, it, yeah, it's 5 mana to get a 4-4 and they either lose whatever amount of, like, you either gain as whatever amount of life they need to spend to try killing this. You get, they discard a card because either have to kill the Planeswalker directly or kill the Dragon to then be able to attack it. And you do all the other random stuff you might do, like do damage to the creatures with this static ability. That's a lot of... That's a lot of work for one five-mana card. It's also very good in the sense that uh, he's very blinkable because yeah. because the rate you're getting is so strong, um, he's very blinkable. Like The higher a mana cost a card can get, it either needs you to win the game or stabilize the game, and he does both of those things. Yeah, nicely. Yeah, he's such a house unlimited. Um, uh, Soren, Vengeful Blood uh, Bloodlord. Two white-black legendary Planeswalker Soren. As long as it's your turn, creatures and Planeswalkers you control have lifelink. You may plus two to have it do one damage to target player or Planeswalker. And you can minus X, return target creature card with converting mana cost X from your graveyard to the battlefield. That creature is now a vampire as well. It's a four uh, loyalty Planeswalker. So um, this card seems really good. <laughs> the, the fact that like like one ability that is a pretty underrated uh, is lifelink. <laughs> like just like giving your creatures lifelink out outright off the bat for four, like without even doing anything is mm-hmm. pretty good. If this isn't a tokens deck and you just attack with a bunch of lifelinking lingering souls tokens, you're probably pulling far ahead enough to not lose the game. Right. And it gives the planeswalker. So imagine like plussing him and then like or having a Gideon in play and plussing him or having like Chandra or even like a Johnny, new, new. a Johnny Vengeant, like yeah. <laughs> Helix that then gains you six. Really good. Yeah. Uh, and then you have the fact that he like is a little bit of a medium removal spell. Like he kills a bunch of X ones like pingers have been fine, no, but doesn't. it's a plus two. So player, it's target he, player or planeswalker. Yeah, it's player or planeswalker. Uh, not creature. Okay. So it just is like it's do one damage, gain a life. And then... The last ability, though, is the real relevant one. Is that you know this can get you your um, your superior. And he said it, not me. It also uh, <laughs> he, it also because it has four loyalty. Uh, it is one of the cards that can interact with your graveyard and get you back a scab ruinator five six flyer. That's with, true. Uh, gets you a scab ruinator. So recasting that cost. also just plus two, and you can get six drops like Sun Titan or like good yeah. cards. <laughs> it's a it's right on the edge, but it's an interesting card, and yeah. I think this would see play. There's a lot of text that all could work together in a way that I think is really powerful. The bummer about it is that the minus X won't work very well on a tokens deck. Like it would get you, it gets you back like a, it gets you, it gets you back. Um, Blood artist. Yeah, exactly. One of those types of cards. Well, but like play. I, not every black white Soren has to be in black white tokens. This guy has a perfect home in like a junk or an Abzan deck, where yeah. like you play this and you rebuy Tarmogoyf. Yeah, for sure. He might like, and he does a lot of things that Seedrino uh, does that maybe is even better than Seedrino. And he can come in and just rebuy a Seedrino. Yeah. If you have a dead Seedrino, you can pay four mana, get a Seedrino back. Right. Um, next card up, we have Soul Diviner. Black, blue for a 2 3 zombie wizard. Tap. Remove a counter from an artifact, creature, land, or planeswalker you control. Draw a card. I like this card. Um, this card is right up my alley. This card interacts favorably with one of my favorite cards of all time, Chronozoa. I think there's also. Does it? <laughs> Not from I mean, exile. What? You don't, you don't get to, No, Chronozoa is in play and has vanish encounters. When you remove the oh, last counter, it doubles. I've Why all, aren't you excited about the one mana Liliana whatever death card that removes counters then? Oh, I did, oh my I, did, I did think about that. Mm-hmm. But the problem with that is then you're targeting with a spell and then if they kill your Chronozoa in response, you're down a card. Whereas this, you just tap you're not to down remove a card. it. It gets exiled and then eventually comes back. Chronozoa? Am no, I thinking Chronozoa oh, I'm confusing of Chronozoa and Apocrysite as the yes. same card? Both of which I love, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I now understand what's going on here and why you guys keep describing a card that I'm not talking about. Got it. Chronozoa copies itself. Soul Diviner is interesting. Um, it's 
it's a two three for two that taps to draw cards pretty easily there's a lot of different ways that you can draw cards with this Mm -hmm. uh and it's a zombie and it's a wizard both which are tribes that are relevant and being pushed it seems i don't think chronozo is that good i've always felt like even if you could i mean i'm just speaking honestly because it's a unique card and i've tried to come up with combo ways to abuse it over the years i've never been able to come up with one but i have always believed if the right card was printed it would go from being like very fringe to actually a threat because like if you can turbo untap this thing a bunch of times it creates infinite creatures right like that's if you can you know what i mean um, next card. Spark double, three and a blue, uh, creature illusion. You may copy a creature or a planeswalker, except it enters with an additional plus one plus one counter on it if it's a creature. It enters with an additional plus one plus one counter on it if it's a planeswalker, the loyalty. loyalty counter, and it's not legendary. So or it doesn't have it can stay in play, legendary rule be damned. So you can copy a legendary creature, you can copy a planeswalker, you get to have both copies, and it comes in as a bigger planeswalker or a bigger creature version for four mana. In the long line of clones that we've seen, the one this is the closest to is Clever Impersonator, right? That's the yeah. only other version of this that we've seen, but that was double blue. This being single blue as a way to copy a planeswalker is interesting. So an example that we've discussed today that just having one, then it dying and playing another one, having double planeswalkers is good as Ralzeric. Imagine having two Ralzerics in play at the same time. Seems quite good. Oh Uh, man. That is a thing that someone did. uh, uh, A friend of the cast at the pre-release this weekend had two Ral's and one of these. And she uh, did a lot of damage. She also had the Sarka thing. I think we it's 18. I mean, it's not that hard <laughs> if you think about... If you go turn four Ralzeric and you plus him so that he survives whatever the hell they try right. to do He's to him. a six drop, four drop Planeswalker. So yeah. then the following turn, you have five mana. Mm-hmm. You spend four of it to play uh, Spark Double. As Ralzeric, you have your one mountain left over. Mm-hmm. Now you minus two your Spark and minus two your Ralzeric and cast that Lightning Bolt. Now that lightning bolt is nine plus six damage. Yeah, so it's so it's 15. fifteen damage from one lightning bolt and a spark double and a Ralzeric. It's pretty good in a format where most people start at fifteen life. That's not so bad. Well, most people start at eighteen, seventeen. Fifteen's a rock. I feel like everyone starts at seventeen, and some other yeah, people yeah, start yeah, lower. Yeah. Next card we're talking about is a common. Uh, this is a card that is actually very playable. Limited spark harvest one black sorcery has an additional cost to cast the spell. Sacrifice a creature or pay three in a black. Destroy target creature or planeswalker. It, there are plenty of decks that get value and, and are happy to sacrifice creatures. If you have a one black destroy target creature or planeswalker for the added value of sacrificing like something with persist, you don't care at yeah. all. Not even a little yeah. bit. And this is pretty good. Yeah. This, this card's real. The problem with this card is it's like, at its worst, a five mana destroy target planeswalker creature can be bad. And there's going to be games where you're like, this is my only card and I'm on two lands and they have a creature I need to kill and I can't get a creature into play before then. But I do think this card is a consideration like there if there was a card that was five yeah i think there's there's reasons to play this card i think it has a chance of seeing play in modern it's pretty blatant what it does i don't think yeah combos well with another card i like to call epocrisite (laughs) not really next card is tomio collector of tales two green blue legendary planeswalker tomio with five loyalty spells and abilities your opponent's control can't cast Cause you to discard cards or sacrifice permanence. It has a plus one of choose a non-land card uh, name, then reveal the top four cards of your library. Put all cards with the chosen name from among them into your hand and the rest on the graveyard. Return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Target um, creature card or card card? Sorry, return target card from your graveyard. Target to your card, hand. yeah. Um, um, is there some like 
Tamio versus Liliana thing in the story that I don't know about? No, because it has like both of its static abilities are just wreck Liliana of the Veil. Its two static abilities are literally anti Liliana of the Veil. There, you it's it's play a Liliana of the Veil, activate something, it, it won't do anything. Feel free to discard your own I mean, card. Even more than that, it is uh, four mana. They play Liliana of the Veil on turn three. They discard. You discard a card. For four mana, you make it so they no longer can make you discard. They no longer make you sacrifice a creature. And you, and get, you get back the card, the back. card that you had to discard with it. Yeah, as a it's minus. every ability on Tamiyo is anti Tamiyo is really throwing shade at the Chain Veil. <laughs> Which is weird that that's not, that there's not some piece of the story because this well, just Liliana feels so odd. And Tamiyo is a good guy in the story until the last moment. It just feels very on the nose. Yeah, um, yeah. Then did you, you read the plus one ability. I think this card is cool. This is... It's I interesting. It's better than people are considering it. Uh, people are talking a lot about it in standard right now, but for four mana, the fact that you get to just have a repeatable rebuy effect that sometimes will draw you cards, but definitely will self mill you is like not something to laugh about. Plus making it so thoughtsies is no longer powerful against you. Like it just like, those are two pretty relevant hate abilities to stop. And then it has like a pretty good value engine, not to mention when you get stuff on the level of like having this and Jason play or other cards that let you see what the top cards of your library are like this with Jace, you can literally just put cards on the back of your deck. Yeah. Name like, so you had two islands in your hand, put them on back, name Island and get the back, right? It's not land card. It's everything, but what I just said, everything. But, <laughs> I think this card is cool. Uh, somebody might do something cool with it in modern, but I don't think, there's not a lot of repeatable ways to get stuff from your graveyard back to your hand. I mean, yeah. it's also notable that it puts the cards that were revealed into your graveyard. Yeah, so yeah. it self-mills you for four. For the most part, what this is, is plus one self-mill you. Sometimes you have a really cool luck moment where you guess what's on top of your deck correctly and then can rebuy cards. Like, I mean, the other thing that this does really well is it combos nicely with blue-green Nissa because her scry ability plays really well with Tamiyo's ability to draw cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is cool. And like... I mean, like both would cards are good on their own. Snapcaster Mage, because I think I there are times where I would play that. I mean, her her ability like to get something back is legit. Yeah. Like that's like that's this a, is a four mana Eternal re- Witness that has with upside. It's got a lot it's of upside. It's regrowth, and you're left with a, a two loyalty planeswalker. Yeah. like I'm I'm good with that. So at eight mana, you can just chain this and Cryptic Command forever. Forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Play Cryptic. Play this. Get Cryptic back. Like you play, you play this, you yeah. get cryptic back, you untap, you counter their spell, bouncing this back to your hand on your next turn. You play this, Replay. get cryptic back, and then you have four mana open if you have eight mana, which is where I started, and you can keep doing that. I so. think there are better ways to get lots of value off cryptic for eight mana, probably. Like there a, are good ways. I'm not, but this does a lot. Of, like this does a lot. I think. Yeah, yeah um, for sure. Oh. Next comes my pick for best card in the set: Teferi Time Reveler, blue, white, colorless, legendary planeswalker Teferi. Each opponent can cast, can't cast. Sorry, each opponent can cast spells only any time they can cast a sorcery. So no flash, no instance. Uh, plus one until your next turn, you may cast sorcery spells as though they had flash. Minus three, return up to one target artifact, creature, or enchantment to its owner's hand. Draw a card. Now, I said they can't cast flash an instant, but the other thing they can't do is have triggered effects cause spells that were exiled or removed by an effect get cast. So, for instance, if you spell queller someone and they kill your spell queller, but you have Teferi in play, they don't get the card back if you have a um if you've delayed delay. their spell yeah if you do um there's one other or if they're sustained days undoing well days undoing is just good because you get to cast it at instant speed we're not talking about sorcery speed so uh but if the they if they have a suspended ancestral visions yep. it's not gonna all happen. suspend cards don't happen um cascade doesn't cascade into things electro dominance doesn't work uh yeah yeah yeah, yeah i think doesn't it depend on the phase if they play electro dominance in their main phase nope Really? Mm-hmm. 
because it, it, it it's it's part of it gets added to the stack at not instant speed. Not Interesting. Speed. I mean, I, um, I think just on the base level, this card being blue white one for minus for, for like a bounce something, draw something is pretty good anyway. Well, I mean, that's like other than the fact that they also can't cast it on their next turn. People have played like man. That's Man of War is a card that has seen play. Man of War draw a card is almost better than what's the blue white one that's currently seeing play. Uh, Reflector Mage? Yeah, better than Reflector Mage. So, I mean, I think the other thing, too, is, like, historically, Recoil has been, like, a loved card, right? Sure. And that's just the reverse side of that. It's bounce a permanent and they discard a card as opposed to bounce a permanent and you draw a card. Yeah. And, like, this is that, effectively, except you get a Planeswalker on the back side of it. Yeah, and, like, so so on, on the very, very front end, you get a weird hate card that gets a bunch of stuff that combos really well with stuff and really, like... You know, we'd even talk about counter magic no longer works. Like the, your opponent will never be able to counter a spell of yours ever again. Uh, and then you get into the real conversation of what it plus does. And that's, I think, where the other half of this card goes. Once you play this card, your opponent, like, and you have counter magic, you never have to worry about your opponent, like, dealing with anything you're doing. I think something else really interesting here, guys, is that uh, if you have ever built a fragile combo deck or, like, a fragile interaction that you've really wanted to see work, and you start to go through your mind, like, how do I want to try to protect this? I'll, I'll play thought seasons. I'll play things to clear the way so that I can do this and not be interrupted. This is a way more proactive way to play something that's going to stop your opponent from doing their instant speed interaction. I mean, one of the reasons Splinter was always so powerful is you did it at the end of their turn for half the combo. So you could play their turn, counter anything they try doing, and if they don't do anything or they do something you don't care about, you can then flash in your win condition to win on the next turn. This lets you do that. I love the idea that you can play this for three plus it. Now it has five loyalty, so it's like between now and the next time I untap, you have to get rid of this card. Otherwise, you aren't going to be able to stop me from doing the thing I'm doing on my turn. And five loyalty is a lot to interact with. And we haven't even gone into the fact that this card lets you thoughts these people during their draw step. <laughs> Which is sick. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I don't know if you've ever played against a, like, like, uh, what's it called? What's the, Vendelian Click is a good example. Like, but when people have been able to pull off getting c consistent discard during a draw step, it makes it almost impossible for you to beat that because people can lock you out of the game of having relevant spells. Because the next card you draw, you don't have a chance to be able to get yourself out of a situation. And so to fairy prevent like there's like six ways we just talked about that like with good cards and once again we've talked about multiple times this podcast where having good cards do good things with good cards that are already good is the way to get a good card <laughs> <laughs> lots of good cards uh, i mean snap you can snap cast your thoughts these during during their draw step you mm -hmm. can like and and you know people are already talking about because standard has an esper walkers deck that's real strong and this guy slots right in there and you can uh, you can right now use it to thought erasure them. The standard thought sees right. thought erasure. You can just thought erasure them during their well, uh, draw what's, step. What's the discard one? I always forget the name. That's thought erasure. It's they. No, 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 it's no, no. look at their hand uh, and they. Sorry, the escalate discard one. The one we, oh, collective, collective brutality. brutality. Yeah, collective brutality. Instant speed. Like that. Or like in the middle play. of combat against somebody where they can't respond and you get to pick a card out of their hand, kill their phoenix that's attacking you, drain them for right. two. Or like just like combat math, where like they think they have it because your creature is a two three and they have a three four, and you're just like, no, it's dead. Really There's good. A lot of different things it does. I think I'm probably in agreement. It's so far the best card in the set. It's like Karn, this, uh, it was like Ashiok. Like those are the those are like the mm -hmm. front runners. Um. Tezzeret, Master of the Bridge. Four blue-black legendary Planeswalker Tezzeret. Creatures and Planeswalkers spells you have have affinity for artifacts, which I think is the most relevant word on this, but 
Uh, Tezzeret Master of the Bridge deals X damage to each opponent, where X is the number of artifacts you control. You gain X life. Return minus three. That's a plus two. Minus three. Return target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. Minus eight. Exile the top 10 cards of your library. Put all artifact cards from among them onto the battlefield. It's a five mana walker. Or five uh, loyalty walker, six mana walker. Um, I think there's two pieces of this that are very interesting. I think as a control finisher in an artifact deck, like an old Tezzeret deck, the Tezzeret ultimate on four mana Tezzeret isn't talked about a lot because it's just kind of not as good as the other things it's doing. But I used to play him in Affinity and Legacy purely after the fact that you could like plus to draw a card. And then if they don't kill Tezzeret, you win the next turn because you have that many artifacts in play. Him being able to do that out of a Lantern Control deck or something like that, that also makes all of their other weird cards cost nothing. Uh, seems pretty pretty relevant. It's I think it's good. I just think it's the limitation here is it has to be so specific because it costs six. Yeah, I think I think this is a like if this is going to see play, it's a sideboard card out of control decks. Yeah, uh, artifact control decks. That's fair. Um, the Elder Spell, uh, black black sorcery, destroy any number of target planeswalkers. Choose a planeswalker you control. Put two loyalty counters on it for each planeswalker you control this way. Um, just destroyed this way. Um, it's fa- a fascinating card. I mean, only from the perspective of like. If a Planeswalker deck in modern actually becomes a thing and like people start playing more than one, like uh, if that's a thing, all of a sudden this existing is ridiculous. Well, so that's <laughs> that's like someone asked about this card on 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 Twitter and I forget who it was and I apologize. But uh, uh, basically there's two situations I see the scene play. The first one is what you said was that a Planeswalker deck becomes good enough in the format that you want to designate sideboard tech for that deck specifically or... It's good enough. Plus, there's like Liliana the Veil and Blue White Control that like it's also relevant to have it in your sideboard. This is a, obviously a good sideboard card. The place that I'm most interested in this is it is a weird Planeswalker Aristocrat deck option. Sure. Where you're just playing like like literally what we were talking about with um, uh, Nickel Bolas. Yep the new one where like you can win the game by just ultimating with this. This does like a, a black version of what doubling season does, which means that you can just ultimate with the planeswalker when it enters play. So if you play with just a Walker tribal, your own super friends deck, but then one of your game plans is just sacking all of your walkers to win the game with an ultimate. You could do that with the elder spell. It's destroy any number of planeswalkers that includes your own and you get yes. counters for those. Yes. Yeah, so you can, you can sacrifice four planeswalkers that have already done something that turn to then put all of those loyalties onto another planeswalker that you can then ultimate to win the game. I mean, that's, seems extraordinary with like with like Vryn's prodigy on turn two that's going to dig you into what you need that's mm-hmm. going to turn into a flashback spell to do more cool things you're playing lots of two and three man interactive spells you're playing ashiok you're playing nickel bolus and you're playing the elder spell and like that's how you win like there's enough good walkers to play a like legion of doom i'm gonna call this i'm penning it now the grixis themed uh planeswalker deck that is uh is legion of doom if it's playing white you can be you can be your your super friends, uh, but Grixis is Legion of Doom, and this is going to be a key card in it to combo off with. Moving on, <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about Tybalt? No, cool. Um, time wipe two blue two blue white white uh, sorcery. Return a creature you control to its owner's hand, then destroy all creatures. This card's fine. It's it, it's like an interesting five mana wrath kind of that like saves your best thing and. I don't know necessarily where in modern a blue-white deck is going to have one creature that is important enough for five because realistically that deck 
It's playing against another control deck, so I can play this till seven, well, so they can hold up a counter spell. Is, is there a deck that wants to play this over Supreme Verdict? And I think there might be in modern history that has like one creature they want to protect, but I don't think there's any blue white control creatures that I want to protect more than a planeswalker that just Supreme Verdict is better with. This would be in the blue white control deck that's playing four Wall of Omens. You would love to have this card because you return your Wall of Omens, you wrath the board. Yeah. Now you have another. You have the creature back in hand to play it and get another card off of like it. Resto Angel. Yeah, yeah. But that seems that seems sweet. Like you, yeah, you get back your rest. So Angel Wrath the board. Yeah, like or or yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think there's there's definitely play here. It's just it's just too expensive. Yeah, I agree. Like if it was like four point five mana, I'd yeah. play it. Uh Tomic Distinguished Advocate, white, white, legendary creature, human advisor, two, three, flying, lands on the battlefield and land cards in graveyards, camp at the targets of spells or abilities your opponents control. Your opponent can't play land cards from your graveyards. Why? Does Wizards hate life from the lum? Why why would they do that to They me? seem to be why, pushing it. Why this is... coming from the psychopath that I just found had four box topper life from the lums in the other room. I was like, it's all these like legitimate yeah, cards. It's my favorite card. All these <laughs> all these legitimate cards that I was like, oh yeah, these are all reasonable. There's like two copies of Forbid here. And I was like, four box to- I need you to make I need to make Living Twister work. Right? You already <laughs> own like six life from the lums. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> gorgeous. Yeah. I'm gonna put up the box topper right now. It's Look how gorgeous. So gorgeous. So pretty. Look at that lack of Border. It's got that Ravnica yeah. art. I'm just jealous. Straight up. Uh, I wish there was a... Tomic. I, Tomic's really good. Uh, key things about Tomic, he flies because lands hate him. He doesn't want to be near them, so he's flying above them. I wish there was four... I, I, I wish one. there was a box topper version of Mirror Superior. I would uh, I would lose my mind. <laughs> there is. There's a buy a bo- There's the date game. I have those. They're just not as cool as yours. I feel like that's there's less of that than there are of my thing. Maybe. Well, they're not worth anywhere near what yours are worth. <laughs> uh, white, white, uh, for devo- devotion reasons, for people thinking we're going to Theros uh, sometime in the next year and a half. We are. Shot call. Uh, and then uh, it's a human. Good of for, course it is. <laughs> good for humans. Just won the Mythic Championship, and now it gets a card to mess with the board anymore. I mean, it's this card is cool. It's a, it's a human's card. It's a hate bears card. It's a white devotion card. It's, it's aggressively costed two, two, two mana. Uh, white white for a two three flyer just by itself is relevant and then it has like a big block of relevant text that like like ignoring my pipe dream of having life of the lone decks be good in modern there is a life of the lone deck that's like arguably too good at modern and it's called dredge like this is just a blatantly good card against that format and then it's just also good against other things i mean this card the other thing that's interesting about this card is that it is legendary and you already play at least three copies of one thalia in that deck usually so if you wanted to start to max out on this, it does make your deck a little clunkier in terms of what's going to stay on the battlefield. Like that is one angle in humans that I've seen them get gummed up before with, you know, it's not a huge drawback, but it is legendary. It oh, is worth noting other weird things like in a, in an affinity sideboard, I believe this protects your lands from your opponent's removal spells. So you can get, or like in an infect that's playing white for some reason, it prevents your lands from being targeted. Like it is a hex proof for your lands. Lands on the battlefield and land cards integrated. Yeah. Can't be the yeah. spells your opponent's control. This also prevents like wasteland X effects to happen to your land. You can't be ghost quartered out with this in play. That's really interesting. Um, uh, I, I, I won't, I don't play the decks in modern that this is in, but I do play a green white sort of like, like a hex proofy style deck that sometimes wins with an ink moth nexus. Yeah. That I will put this in, yeah, because this absolutely is good there. Like our Arbor Giant Arbor, yeah. Like, there's a bunch of land creatures in the format that protecting is really good. I think this guy's uh, really strong. Yeah. Um, Tyrant Scorn, blue black instant. Choose one destroy target creature with a converted man cost three or less. Return target creature to its owner's hand. So this is like a I think this fatal, fatal kick in the nuts or something, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> 
well, it's Vadal, destroy the Black Blade and kill Gideon. Yeah. He doesn't die here technically. He sacrifices himself like a hero. Spoilers. Or fatal. This is this is like fatal nudge. We'll say. I mean, they gotta they gotta reforge the black blade again, right? Yeah. This this is the blue black terminate. I would almost even describe it. Yeah. As. Like it's not as good as terminate, but if you're in a blue black deck, this does a lot of what terminate does, and is in some ways can be better if they are like reanimator and they cheated something into play. Blue black decks have struggled to feel like tier one. Uh, I guess I guess Grixis Shadow has been able to do it, but like not totally on the back of the blue black component, but like blue black actual demir decks mm -hmm. that's like a thing that has like been not tier one for a long time so it's cool this card should help yeah i mean and there's like the added versatility of this can bounce your own creatures which is something that's not irrelevant ever um yeah rebuy but, a snapcaster mage if this removal spell isn't doing anything it's a creatureless deck yep or like bounce a tassiger like that's always really good too with it and the fact that it can't kill it and destroying target creature with converting mount history or less is very obviously good at two or less <laughs> it is it is cute that tyrant scorn is a Big middle finger to Grixis Death Shadow since one half of it kills Death Shadow and the other half bounces a Gurmag Angler that they just paid full price for. I, I do think I would say that this is... Yes, that is very true. Also, I would say this is closer to the uh, Demir um, Assassin's Trophy or Demir... Yeah, uh, that seems fair. Not even, uh, what's the Abrupt Decay? Because it has like weird limitations. Yeah. Um, it's not counterable, but it, it can't get rid of permanence, but it can't bounce creatures. Uh, Ugin's Conjurant. This is an X for a 0 0 Spirit Monk. Uh, Ugin's Conjurant enters the battlefield with X plus 1 plus 1 counters on it. If damage would be dealt to Ugin's Conjurant while it has a plus 1 plus 1 counter on it, prevent that damage and remove that many plus 1 plus 1 counters from Ugin's Conjurant. It's an old school Hydra effect. Mm -hmm. um, it, but there's something about this card, right? Isn't it? Doesn't yes, it like. Okay, I was wondering if you knew. I was waiting for you to like kind of hate on it because it is a bad card in every way except for the fact, as I go through all the pictures for me and my wife going to Disneyland. <laughs> Uh, it, com it combos with something where it like becomes a copy because it's a spirit, I think. Nope. It destroys all lands. It's Armageddon. That's what it is. Uh, uh, I'm going to need you to explain how that works to me. It's a, oh, where's the spirit? <laughs> I know the card name. I saved the picture of it. All right. So the main card that it combos with is Celestial Kirin. Two white, white, legendary creature, Kirin spirit flying. When you play a spirit or arcane spell, destroy all permanents with that spell's converted mana cost. Oh, so this is a four mana, three, three flyer that you then play your X zero spirit and it destroys all lands. So this is the first spirit that could be cast for zero which allows you to destroy all lands with celestial kieran there's also a black one that i'm not remembering the name of and hopefully marshall will find that lets you discard that all players yes your opponents discard their hands well it's it's they you they reveal their hand and discard cards with the converted mana cost equal to the spirit you cast it's, okay so it's worse it's a shame right. that Modern doesn't have some card for one green that wants you to dig to get a colorless card from your deck. That's a damn shame. <laughs> uh, yeah, there are cool decks. Uh, Holly Diva on Twitter, I think, posted a really cool list that you can go find. Mar uh, Michael uh, Grothy, sometimes. You just like guest host, just showed it to me. Stirrings just gets this. Well, no, I mean, so it's more like it's just like a bunch of good cards, and then this is its top end combo. But like, it's there is now a, a Armageddon in Modern. That is yeah. a thing you now have to contend with. It's a two-card combo, but one part of that combo is a flying 3-3, three, three, uh, and the other part of that combo is a whatever mana you have, you can have it be that, which is not irrelevant. It's not as good as some of the other combos we've talked about, but it does a way more powerful thing than some of the other combos. What was the old, like, Steel of the Godhead Talowisp deck? Is Talowisp, whenever you cast a spirit, you search for an aura, yes, right? Correct. So so we could, we could try to... Uh, jam this into the hexproof guys to saying draft talwisp deck and this is a spirit and like so that whole that whole thing 
And I think just spirit, like a spirit deck could play both of these cards, no problem. Yeah. Like spirits could just top end with this and that and would be fine. And like, that's a deck that having just creatures, like the way the Armageddon is good almost most of the time is your opponent doesn't have things in play. You have a something in play and then you wipe the board. I love the idea of Geist of St. Trafting on turn three. Turn four, play this guy, and Armageddon. Yeah. <laughs> that, seems, that seems really good. How do you lose? Not bad. <laughs> and, you get, and you get your land drop still. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy. No you, no, you don't. Next turn. Yeah, yeah. But you do play with, like, you play, uh, what's the legendary white land that replaces itself? Flagstones. Flag, you play some flagstones. Play it seems difficult lands. to lose if you have five power on the battlefield that's going to generate an additional four every turn. Yeah. 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 Who knows? All right, back to where we were at in our look of lists. I think we're getting close to the end. Uh, next is Ugin the Ineffable. Six mana. Legendary Planeswalker Ugin. Colorless spells you cast cost two less to cast. Uh, exile the top card of your library face down and look at it. Create a 2-2 colorless spirit creature token. When the token leaves the battlefield, put the exiled card into your hand. Destroy target permanent that's one or more colors for minus three. It's a 4-4. Four, four. So it comes into play and makes 2-2 two, two tokens that if they die, you draw a card. That 2-2 two, two token specifically. Um, and then it's three mana to destroy target permanent. That is one of like, non-colorless permanent. They have really pushed Mere Superior in the set, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> oh my oh, yeah. gosh, Mere Superior oh, is free! This card is kind of Now you've got me excited for Mere Superior. <laughs> now I'm, now Although, I'm on board. I think this is a weird include in, in Tron. Like, just like on a base level of like six mana with a card draw engine that is aggressive and is a removable spell. Like, it's more of a versatile tool in Tron versus some of the other powerful things that have been printed in this set. Um, I think it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's its main home. Six mana is a lot anywhere else. Six so, mana like, is that's a lot. where the main places it would be. It is a like. For a green red ramp deck or a mono green ramp deck, this does a lot that that kind of deck would want, being that it can create card advantage, which those decks often struggle with, especially mono green decks, while also creating creatures to attack with, while also being able to be a removal spell in a color that classically can't removal remove creatures. Hmm. Could this be something for a type of prison deck, like the the idea of like locking down the board prison style and then rolling out Ugin, who makes all your prison pieces super cheap and also gives you a win condition and also gives you a removal spell. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like, the fact that he's colorless means he can fit in a lot of different decks. Six mana is the top end of actual castable. It's not like seven mana where you just have to be playing Tron, otherwise it's irrelevant. Um, and he does a lot of very versatile things that are often answers that are worthy of paying this much mana. Like, playing a six mana Planeswalker to kill a creature and then just have a card draw engine that's also making two twos is like... Pretty good. Pretty yeah. decent. So, like, it's not unplayable in control shells or like a Super Friends deck or a Legion of Dune deck or, you know, one of those kind of situations, too. He's also just a, another playable card in those colors. I'm pretty excited about this next card, actually. This is this is one of my favorite cards in the uh, set. Vivian's Arcbow. Green and a one. Uh, legendary artifact. X, tap, discard a card. Look at the top X cards of your library. You may put a creature card with converted mana cost X or less from among them onto the battlefield. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in random order. Um, I like this card a lot. There's a lot of different reasons. The first one is that you can discard a land card to it to turn that land into a creature. The second one is that it references casting cost. So it, How do you tr- discard a land card to make it... Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, it's, you're revealing cards off the top. So at any point in time, if this card's in play and you start top-decking lands, the Ooh, same reason that Horizon that. Canopy has classically been good uh, is because Horizon Canopy cycles into a creature. Sorry, I, I read this card incorrectly early on where I thought this was... Discard a creature. No, no, no. Discard a card, pay X, and then the X 
the card you discard has to have a cover and mana cost of X as well. Oh, no, this card is this card is legit. Um, now, granted, this is becoming an actual running joke. That's probably obnoxious, but this with Superior is great. This is like one of <laughs> I, I have like built the deck already, and like it, it's just another thing. This represents casting costs. I do have to say, from the time I loved that card till now, I, there's been an insane number of things that seem to be willing to reference casting cost, either as you know resurrection what's, you know what's really or interesting. What that card's still not played. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> I, I'm not saying for the sake of Superior because I love that card, no, yeah, but like yeah, yeah. my point is more that I've noticed in every set there's a handful of cards that have like a like a minus ability to resurrect something from a graveyard or like an equal to casting cost yeah, cast yeah. this card from your hand thing where like I've been like okay they're this is design space they're way more willing to play with correct well because because I think they like reanimation but they don't like reanimation that has non like card blanche, right? Like, they don't want people to be able to play one mana to get a seven drop into play. But they're fine with people playing one mana to get a three drop into play. Or, I mean, that's two drop. <laughs> uh, so, like, by limiting the covering mana cost, they open up a design space that is one of the coolest parts of Magic. Like, reanimating spells is cool. Those of you that actually enjoyed the Superior Burning Coco deck from a couple years ago, I have a new version I built that's pretty sweet, actually. It'll be I'm on gonna, our Twitter. Yeah, I'll post it. It's it's utilizing this card, and it's pretty it's pretty fun. It use, it's a, a blue-green version that also is utilizing Nyssa and, and like being able to set the top of your library. But, but back to Vivian's Arc Bow, like now that I understand how it works, <laughs> uh, this is a huge heart back to Survival of the Fittest. Yeah. Um, where like, and... Probably the like I think this is better than the sacrifice one because they printed the sacrifice evolutionary one a while back. leap. The fact that this uh, lets you put it onto the battlefield, like there is some like whiffing that's going to happen. Definitely, but if you can get value out of discarding cards and pay like five mana and discard a card and just get a f five or less drop from the top five of your cards, and otherwise you would have done nothing, and you can do this at instant speed at the end of your opponent's turn, I think that's really good. Yeah, I mean, I think the idea that Collected Company for, for four mana gets you two things off the top uh, is obviously great, and you have to get lucky. Imagine you're paying, you're discarding a land card from your hand, so that takes the place of the company. You're paying two mana, and that two turns your land into one creature. Or even just discarding a land card and three turns into one creature. Obviously, the rate's not going to be quite as good, but it's still a, like a really, really nice, repeatable effect to have in play that allows you to continue to get value. Yeah. And I like Arc Bow a lot. All right, so, and now, the last card for our set review. Other than maybe a card that Marshall brought up that we didn't talk about the first time around. Uh, Vivian, Champion of the Wild, two and a green. Legendary Planeswalker Vivian. Uh, you may cast creature spells as though they had flash. Uh, plus one until your next turn. Up to one target creature gains vigilance and reach. Uh, minus two, look at the top three cards of your library. Exile one face down and put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Uh, for as long as it remains exiled, you may look at that card and you may cast it as if it was a creature card. You may cast it if it was a creature card. If it was a creature card. And it has four loyalty. Um, so one th thing that I think a lot of people aren't talking about is there's a lot of three mana walkers that come down with a lot of loyalty. Yeah. Yep. This I agree. Comes, like three mana for a five loyalty planeswalker that made it so that your creature could attack without having the block. And then for now on, you creatures have flash. Not to mention from that point on, you should be able to defend Vivian and then start drawing cards with her every turn. Makes her like... Like, if this was a three-mana walker without static abilities, people would be like, this is one of the best three-mana walkers ever printed. And now we're in a world where we're at where it's like, oh, this is just one of them. I really actually do. Yeah, I do think that the power level of Planeswalkers has been pushed significantly by these guys, mostly in the in the, in the lower casting cost ones and mostly just because people are undervaluing the static ability so hard that, like, if you didn't have the static ability on these things and they had they were designed exactly the same way, they would be just underplayable. Like they would be just 
under powerful. But like some the, of them would just be playable. The like, best ones would be like fine. Well, like I often say, and I've said on this podcast before, whenever evaluating a planeswalker, I like to ignore their ultimate ability because the ultimate ability almost all say you win the game. And but it takes a lot of work to get there and and it is an inevitability engine. And I do want to talk about it in a second. But most of the time, what's important about a planeswalker, Liliana the Veil is powerful because of her first two abilities. Like her ultimate, I've ultimated people and lost rarely but it happens and this is a card where you know this whole set is a card where they just got rid of the ultimate abilities on a lot of them and then made it relevant static abilities so these are all really four mana planeswalkers and a lot of or four ability planeswalkers yeah, and a lot totally of agree where one of them is a medium ley line that just comes into play literally sarkon uh not sarkon domi raids static ability is the sorry i keep hitting this mic uh, is the emblem for Soren. <laughs> Soren's emblem is Dominate static ability right. three mana. <laughs> I mean, I've thought a lot about like that in a way, these upend the original Planeswalkers where you get their emblem right away, but the emblem is attackable yes, as opposed to being permanent. so much better. But so yeah, like, if you imagine Vivian as having an ultimate that says, you have an emblem that says you may cast creatures though they had flash, but now that you only have this emblem as long as Vivian's alive. Right. And like, look at Gideon, where he can, he like basically gets to use two abilities a turn, where he gets his, every other Gideon had to choose between doing something with him or attacking with him. This Gideon can attack and do stuff every turn. Like, yeah. there's so many layers to that. And then the last thing is, you know, one thing you are losing though is the invitability engine. With a lot of these planeswalkers, some of the time you can just ignore them. Because their ultimate doesn't exist. They can tick up forever, and they're just an enchantment that does this effect. The problem is, is that most of the time, that's going to cause you to lose the game. Yeah, I mean, like they get a lot of value. I mean, we talked about Chandra in another episode, um, the format of Chandra. But the more I've thought about it, and I actually got to play with Chandra over the weekend of the pre-release, I was just sort of like, okay, so if you interact with this, you're going to lose a bunch of life. You'll lose five life, probably, right? Because uh, even if they kill it, the, the, the counters are still removed, right? So as long as they don't kill it through a non damage way. No, no. So if they kill it through a non damage way, they don't take damage. Right. If they dread bore it, you okay. don't take damage. So if they don't have a specific kill a planeswalker ability, you are now playing a spell that does significant damage. So they might look at it and go, okay, well, it's this format where I started 15. I don't really want to attack this thing. I'll ignore it. Okay. That means I'm drawing an extra card every turn. How many turns am I going to do that before it's highly unlikely you win the game? On top of which... Three turns later, this thing is going to seven you and probably dig through time for like four. Like, that's really good. Yeah, you ignore her at your peril because every turn that she goes by, she adds, she banks a damage and draws you a card. And so if they go, uh, I can ignore her now. But now she's up to six loyalty. Like, oh, well, now I should probably attack her. But that six loyalty is six banked damage. I know. It's like anytime, that, that's like, that's always in the past when somebody plays GTA. You're like, I'm just going to ignore this GTA and just try to win around it. Yeah, that never works. <laughs> right. right. Um, I do think, so looking back in kind of all the cards we, we, we've reviewed this set and, and which ones I think I was most impressed with, especially at the pre-release, um, I think the, the, the Creature Land, um, and I'm trying to find it. Mobile, the, three, the, th the four activation 3-3? Three, three? Yes. Uh, is going a little bit under the radar to me. Yes, on a base level, it's a four activation three three, but it's a untapped creature land that you can activate for free, like in an ideal scenario. Yeah, in an ideal scenario, but like it's not that hard to have just some planeswalkers and legendary creatures. I was able to pull it off in limited. Obviously, that's a limited environment to do that, but and it has vigilance. <laughs> so like. I was very surprised how powerful it was. It basically is a land that is a 3-3 creature if you can pull that part off of it. And then before that, it's like, it, it felt very similar to playing with 
Treetop like, Village? No, like the like the like Mutavault. <laughs> oh well, because it's yeah, because it's 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 uh, activation ability is reduced by one for each planeswalker and legendary creature you control, right? Right. So so like if you have it and Teferi and Jason play, it's two mana. Yeah. And and one of the reasons I liked it better than Treetop Village is it comes to play untapped. Like that's another piece of power that is extraordinarily valuable. I've been saying that for the longest time. Like li- literally, like the difference between a tap land and an untapped land is the difference between playable and not and unplayable. I mean, that's straight up. Like you can, there's so much you can do with untapped sources, and you're you get so far behind at high level magic with tapped sources that. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the value of the the modern uh, you know, walking lands is. The ones that come into battlefield tapped, at least they provide colored mana. Mm-hmm. But any land that provides only colorless mana, if it enters battlefield tapped, it's essentially unplayable. Right. A- unless it does something like top, insane. Top like I mean, like there was a deck that was playing, you know, the the it enters battlefield tap, but then you like if you tap it, things are uncounterable. The like the Kamigawa the or, the, or it gets haste. And, and Hall of the mind. Bandit Lord. Yeah. So like those right. type of cards do see play. But those are I am going to win with my combo no matter what, and I need to protect it, and this is the only way to do it, or I'm going to win with my combo and just give me a bit of haste. <laughs> right, and then, of course, you can see like the difference between like Beseju, who get, who sees play in like very fringe situations, mm-hmm. and the untapped version of it, Cavernous Souls, which sees play in Infinity decks. Right, yeah. right. And, yeah. and then you go to like, like the Man Lands, I guess, are probably the best Enter the Battlefield tap lands ever printed. Uh, yeah, I would say so. Like, gonna, yeah. it's hard it to beat Cele- it's hard design. to beat Celestial Colonnade for best ETB tapped blue white land. What what's your what's a card that you were surprised at the pre-release? I mean, I just mentioned it. Chandra was a card that really okay. like blew yeah, me yeah. away. I was like really surprised at how good it was. Um I think maybe the other card and this is not for modern but just in terms of limited, the rate on the 2/2 flyer for 3 that amasses 1 is really really, good. really, really good. that's like that's like a limited it. like I was Holy actually, crap level card. Uh, when we reviewed the mechanics, I was a little off of a mass, I think. Yeah. Maybe people will go back and I was into it. I really loved it. I thought it was a really cool mechanic. I think it plays really cool. It's really intuitive. Um, I also, I think that the black um, enchantment, the the Bitter Blossom enchantment, yeah. is better than I gave it credit to when we did a review episode. Um, I don't think it's Bitter Blossom good, but it might be better in certain decks like it doesn't need to be fairies the fact that they get bigger is relevant like that's a different thing but like it making a five five eventually is a bigger play than making three one you know five one ones because there's different ways to answer those things <laughs> and i think it's uh like you we you guys already discussed callous dismissal but i was super impressed with callous dismissal the two mana mana war essentially yeah. and if there was a deck that wanted to play dread horde invasion and callous dismissal was in that deck like again, that helps with your rate because real quickly you're having a four four and a five five right. that they feel bad about wasting a removal spell on because you're just going to start building it tall again, well, and, right? And and dreadhorde invasion like the fact that it start gives it lifelink at the end is like not irrelevant and it does kill like if it was me and you and we were both trying to kill Marshall who is like chess mastering it and had two decks and like wasn't doing anything and we I had dreadhorde invasion and you had um better blossom. blossom I win first right. Like it, it, my guy just gets bigger, quicker and does more damage every turn over time. And I, I think it's like super relevant. And the fact that it gains life, like I think there's, it's better than people. I think people like at first, like, Oh, it's bitter blossom too. Oh my God. It's so good. And then, and then that was not true. And then, so then the blowback against that went too far the other way. I think now people are like, Oh, that card's bad, but it's like, 
at worst, I think 80% of it are possible. Well, and, I, and I'm very interested in the fact that you can go turn two, Dreadhorde Invasion, turn three, Gleaming Overseer, the one that amasses one. Yeah, yeah, the one four. Gives it Hexproof yeah. and Menace. So now you have a 2-2 two, two that can attack this turn that has Hexproof and Menace, and they have to get rid of the Overseer first. And Yeah, Gleaming the Death Touch one. There's like a bunch of cool lords for that too. And like, Oh, man, I got to play the Death Touch one with a Liliana. So oof. all of her zombies she was making had, <laughs> had, had Death Touch too. I think the coolest thing I did was I, I did the Death Touch one with Vivian. Not Vivian, with uh, Vraska. Yeah, Vraska's cool. good. And then I had Oketra with uh, Oketra with um, Oketra, Vraska, and the Dreadhorde token. Or in the, and the one that gives all, 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 all uh, zombies death touch. Because okay. zombies okay. tokens have death touch, so the Oketra zombie tokens... The four fours that had death touch, like it was, it was cool. It seems like a really fun limited format. Yeah, I'm really excited like to play so some far. more of it. So I have a few friends who didn't like it. I think partially because like limited is going to be very grindy. It seems well, really grindy. Yeah. Draft will be a little bit more balanced. I'm super excited. We, I mean, when we had Andrew Brown on way before this set, and anyone knew anything about it, we asked him, and he like it was while Allegiance had just come out. So really, yeah. at that point, marketing wise, he should have been hyping Allegiance. We asked him, "What is the best thing you've ever made at Wizards, or what is the thing you're most proud of?" And he said, "War of the Spark." War of the Spark. Yeah, he was really excited. About uh, I mean, so. just one week into playing it, and this feels like I mean, it may not be the most powerful Magic's ever printed, but when you're playing it, it feels like God, every card I play is a haymaker. Card. Right. Yeah, like, right. That is, I think, the new like it is a set themed around planeswalkers which weren't a new mechanic but then they made them a new mechanic by adding the static abilities so every single one you're like is this what is this doing and then in limited the ones that we didn't talk about the ones that are like unplayable for modern are like the Samut. ones that are most playable for limited <laughs> yeah like <laughs> Samut Triant uh, Tyrant Smasher will crush you in limited right. or like Kaya like I, Kaya I had, was insane <laughs> I had two copies of Jaya in my pool and like uh, just like the fact that it comes down on five and is like shock and then another shock and then like if I proliferate it it's gonna be another shock was just like for oh, limited well, proliferate was so fun in this set I'm really proud of, I like really like this set I and con contingency plans or whatever turned out to be really great. I got to play a deck that was the blue red spells, which blue red spells is a very live archetype. And I had Ral, and it felt real good to minus two Ral and then cast contingency plans, proliferate both of his counters back on him, draw two cards, and proliferate twice all the rest of my guys. Yeah, so sick. All right, so that's it for the episode. It's gonna wrap uh, us up, guys. I want to take you guys with a long one. Uh, this was like a four-hour set review. I know. There's so that's the point. There's so many good cards. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, we have a Discord. YouTube channel is obviously the most important. Subscribe if you're there right now. Like, comment with what your favorite, what card surprised you the most uh, with applications to modern uh, at the pre-release this weekend or two weekends ago now. Um, and we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, guys. And honestly, the last thing we mentioned, I believe, in the in the thing earlier on the show, but patreon.com slash the MMcast is the thing that is helping us continue to do this show. We, you know, you've heard Marshall on the mic here. We were able to actually hire Marshall and bring him into the show because of the Patreon. So that's the kind of stuff we want to be able to continue doing. And if you're a patron currently and there are things that you want to see, let's say it's like deck tech sections or there are other things that you wish we were doing, leave it in the comments below. Send us a private message in, on uh, Patreon. We would love to know that. We're trying to revamp it very soon here. So um, yeah, thanks guys. We'll uh, see you same time, same place yep. next week. Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.